A census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Hero can be anyone, even a man doing something as simple and reassuring as putting a coat around a young boy's shoulders to let him know the world hadn't ended. Hey, Mr. Rogers. It's a beautiful day. Welcome to Screen Perspectives, a podcast produced by the Pittsburgh Film Office to share how people build successful careers in the screen industry, be it film, TV, streaming, etc. Screen Perspectives is born out of many conversations with industry professionals, sometimes over dinner, sometimes over drinks, and a lot of times driving around looking at the wonderful diversity of locations in the southwestern Pennsylvania region. Thousands of people make their living in the film, TV, streaming business, which is nationally an over $28 billion a year industry. Locally, it's responsible for over $150 million in new money to the southwestern Pennsylvania region's economy. There really is no direct pathway to success in this industry. It's a lot of hard work, networking, and you have to account for a little bit of luck to be successful. The Pittsburgh Film Office is excited to share these amazing individuals' stories with you so you can learn how they did it and determine your best path forward. Screen Perspectives is hosted by me, Don Kieser, Director of the Pittsburgh Film Office, and the incredible Kevin Smith, screenwriter and screenwriting instructor at the University of Pittsburgh. Thank you for joining us. Our guest on today's podcast is groundbreaking film director, screenwriter, producer, and actor, Lloyd Kaufman the co-founder of Troma Entertainment Film Studio, and the director of many of their feature films, such as the cult classic, The Toxic Avenger, and Tromeo and Juliet. Many of the strategies employed by Lloyd at Troma have been credited with making the film industry significantly more accessible and decentralized. The Museum of Modern Art selected Lloyd Kaufman's Return to Newcomb High Volume 1 as part of its prestigious Contender series a collection of influential, innovative films made in the past 12 months that are believed will stand the test of time. Honoring Lloyd Kaufman along with fellow directors David Lynch, the Coen brothers, and Sofia Coppola. The man known as Uncle Lloyd has single-handedly created the American horror film noir. Lloyd's other claim to fame is his amazing wife, Pat Kaufman, who's currently the City of New York Film Commissioner in the Mayor's Office. Both Pat and Lloyd have been longtime friends of mine, and I'm thrilled to share Lloyd with our listeners and for you all get to hear the story and how amazing they all are. So welcome, Lloyd. We're happy you're here today. directed Toxic Avenger and many of our early movies. And uh, and uh, he uh, grew up and stopped directing. So as a result, there's been a string of unprofitable movies. But he's kept the, the company going and we've kept the brand name going. And we've developed the most loyal, tenacious and uh, active fan base, I think, for any uh, independent studio in history. And I can't imagine any independent studios who've existed uh, for 50 years. I don't think it's happened. And uh, the fact Michael and I have been uh, very good uh, partners. 
Michael, Michael should have been running a, a real studio, but uh, Toxic Avenger was about the environment long before uh, Al Gore uh, got into it. Um, hashtag Shakespeare Shitstorm was uh, about the abuses of the uh, pharmaceutical industry as well as the abuses of the uh, Me Too generation. Uh, uh, but uh, our movies are very entertaining and they also have a lot of... Uh, what people call sex and violence and the graphic uh, adult kind of stuff. But they're not horror films. They're more uh, satires. The Toxic Avenger is, the Toxie looks scary, but he's not, um, he's, a, he's a, a comic character, basically. Uh, he's a, a, a hideously deformed creature of superhuman size and strength. And when we were filming in the streets in 1983, the children would run after him. Nobody's, nobody's been scared of him. Uh, except there were some uh, monkeys when we were in Africa. We stopped at a, uh, a, a gas station in uh, it was some country, one of the countries we visited, and there were a bunch of uh, monkeys, uh, big apes of some sort, and they were at the you know people would feed them, so they were hanging around there, and the uh, the alpha ape was clearly the boss. So I put on the toxic Avenger mask and I uh, went over to him. And he like, uh, oh, no, I don't need any of this. And he kind of, you know, ambled off and, uh, uh, you know, but he definitely retreated, uh, which is interesting. So there was an instinct, I guess, uh, if somebody is deformed to, to withdraw and not have contact with that animal. Fascinating. I have a whole bunch of things, but I want to stay on the Toxic Avenger for a minute because, number one, Melvin, uh, Melvin, your superhero, mop boy turned superhero. Meet little Melvin. He's a 90-pound weakling. Everyone hated Melvin. I'm gonna take this mop and shove it down your throat. They teased him. I wanna do it with you. Okay. They taunted him. They tormented him until he had a horrifying accident and fell into a vat of nuclear waste. Transforming little Melvin into a hideously deformed creature of superhuman size and strength. Melvin became the Toxic Avenger. Most of the superhuman heroes have all sorts of tech. Te uh, you know, Spider-Man had his web. And and I was, uh, after I graduated from Yale, I searched out Stan Lee. So Stan Lee was such a big influence. Of all his characters, which one speaks to you the most? And Spidey. Why? Spidey. In fact, uh, Stan Lee, uh, in one of the, uh, he wrote an introduction to one of my books. He said that, in the same way that Spider-Man put a new face on comic book heroes by being uh, a, a, a kind of an ordinary person, taking care of his aunt, having problems at school, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he, uh, Stan said Toxie put a new face on the cinema superhero. Uh, he's got, definitely got skin problems. Uh, and uh, he, he's trying to take care of his mother and uh, he's true to his girlfriend. And, you know, he's a, he, his first Toxic Avenger, he said, He's a teenager who, uh, you know, just uh, has, has uh, some difficulties uh, being a superhero. So, in fact, you cannot use cannot use the word superhero if you're in with the Warners and and Marvel, uh, like this Toxic Avenger comic book. Then he could be a superhero. But once uh, at at one point, Marvel went bust, and that was the end of our comic book. And um, uh, from then on, we, if we use superhero in our press releases, uh, Warners would send a, uh, a, uh, a lawyer's letter. So 
uh, we had to say superhuman uh, heroes. The Toxic Avenger. His face is so terrifying. We can't show it to you now. You'll have to see the movie for yourself. How many countries are you selling trauma stuff in now? Do you know? Uh, not too many. I can oh, okay. tell you that. Not what it was in the 80s. Okay. Very few independent distributors left, uh, like we. We're the last uh, the last of the uh, independent uh, studios here, really. Uh, unless you consider the vassals of uh, 20th Century Fox or uh, mm -hmm. Disney. Or... Uh, the Toxic Avenger will appear somewhere. Now you have like all the set together and, and things like that. Does it kind of like suddenly it comes and, and surges as far as the interest? <laughs> and sticks around for a while, then recedes, then comes back again. Does that happen a lot at all? No, it's always, um, well, the last year or two have uh, been good, but usually we're looking over the precipice of, uh, you know, we could, uh, you know, we have like uh, two weeks to live, but the last two years have been very good. Do, do they, I mean- I mean, it goes up and down, but it's, uh, it's, uh, it's pretty depressing, I think, for the, uh, you know, we have a thousand movies, so uh, we have Troma Now, the hot streaming uh, service. Uh, uh, so, so Troma Now, so, and we have our own uh, brand, and uh, after 50 years, the fans uh, support us, but uh, there's no other companies that seem to be able to survive, and uh, there are many good movies being made. That have uh, huge interest in legendary cult films or classics like the Toxic Avenger. Uh, Toxic Avenger, kids that are teenagers know that as well as somebody my age, for goodness sake, because it spans the generations because it's literally one of the most legendary cult classics of all time. At those different conventions, when, when I'm sure it's appeared or, or something's going on regarding it, what are some of the interesting things that have happened to you or that people have said to you or written to you or whatever regarding the Toxic Avenger? Uh, well, uh, Toxy goes to all the conventions. Um, I don't uh, pay, I don't charge for my signature, nor do I charge for my, uh, for photo ops. So um, I've been doing that from the very beginning. I've never charged. So I think there's a lot of goodwill and Toxy doesn't charge either. So, um, you know, they can, they can, uh, the fans can go to, uh, to some clown and get uh, pay forty dollars for a movie that may go away, or they can uh, get a free picture with Toxy, and Toxy's amazing, high tech mop. <laughs> <laughs> I I can't really give you any. Um, uh, there uh, uh, there have been anecdotes where we've uh, uh, we played uh, in a in a movie theater. I remember on uh, Hollywood Boulevard. Uh, those theaters used to be kind of uh, grindhouses. Now they're uh, Disney-owned and whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and uh, one, uh, the Egyptian is the uh, Cinematheque mm -hmm. of uh, Los Angeles, who have been very good. To, they've had several trauma retrospectives. Mm -hmm. But I remember we were, uh, I can't remember what movie it was, but we took Toxie uh, on the street and we brought him into a uh, blockbuster uh, video store because they never... Uh, uh, they never have ever taken in a trauma movie, uh, and uh, and the people in the store thought we were uh, well. It was just Toxie and a mop. They thought it was a holdup, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> the hysterics ensued. How do they say it? The hilarity ensued, and uh, they got very angry. But uh, also, we got uh, 
uh, I, I wanted to, I had Kabuki Man in Las Vegas. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's a casino there which has a, a million dollars. In, it's in downtown. A million dollars in the, um, uh, there's a display with a million dollars inside of a, something, you know, mm -hmm. for just as a tourist uh, thing. And uh, I, I, I brought in Sergeant Kabuki Man, NYPD. And uh, security it was uh, very hostile. Uh, and we've tried several times to bring uh, uh, Sergeant Kabuki Man, NYPD, into various, uh, like AVN, uh, yeah, the yeah. adult. Uh, yeah, the adult film I, industry. I, I, I yeah. get invited there and I sign, uh, yeah. uh, uh, do signing in the um, uh, one of the booths of uh, Bad Dragon, who also uh, helped us make movies. Um, but uh, the uh, when you walk around with the uh, taxi mask or the kabuki man mask, that people it, well, it is in uh, the convention center or somewhere. But whatever, I don't know. For some reason, a lot of trouble uh, coming in and coming out, and definitely in the casinos, we've 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 gone into casinos with taxi, and the security goes crazy. But the conventions, <laughs> uh, taxi is uh, very uh, well liked in the conventions, yeah. so I can't oh, say yeah. we've. I can't say we've had any uh, Sundance. We got policed out after ten years, um, but I don't think that's Toxy. Uh, well, no, they took away Toxy's mop uh, oh. toward, toward the end. They confiscated the mop because uh, it was a weapon, and they also <laughs> they also confiscated uh, Richard Taylor's accordion the same year because it was a weapon, and uh, they wanted to get rid of us because. We uh, we founded uh, thanks to Trey Parker, we started uh, Trauma Dance. Um, uh, he had when he had Cannibal the Musical, he had a, he rented a place on Main Street and had a one movie festival. Uh, <laughs> the um, he sent uh, he and and Matt were uh, obsessed with getting into Sundance, and they they sent in um, Cannibal the Musical. So they said, well, nobody told us not to go. So we rented a condo and we all stayed, about 50 of us stayed, not 50, but at least 25 people stayed in a condo that had like one bedroom. And um, and uh, Trey rented a place and the Cannibal the Musical was, the one movie festival was very successful. So after that, we started the Trauma Dance. Right now with the trend of taking films and and music and just songs and turning them into musicals has it, would you ever turn toxic the toxic avenger into a musical it was a musical it is well, a musical it's still being uh, um, played by summer stock and schools and universities it played a, a year in new york and uh, a long time in london on uh, west end and uh, it's very good you can see it on something called broadwayvideo.com The Legend of the Toxic Avenger. The Toxic Avenger, now on Broadway HD. It's very good. John, uh, not Bon Jovi, but his recordist, his uh, uh, keyboard guy. David Bryan wrote the music, and Joe DiPietro, uh, both yeah. of our Tony Award winners, mm -hmm. uh, they put it together and uh, did a wonderful job because they brought the... Uh, the humor. It's a great musical. Try to see it. It's really great. Uh, it's a wonderful. Uh, they did a great job with it. Uh, uh, the Broadway.com people 
Well, they didn't. Uh, uh, a group who filmed it in London, uh, they got the close-ups, so all the funny lines, you because you can't always hear it in the theater. The acoustics aren't that good, or somebody coughs, or, you know, whatever. So uh, it's, a, it's very well done. You should know, Isaiah always comes with best questions. Not that Jenny's aren't good, but he always has a great quote in there. All the movies from Toxic Avenger to even Guardians of the Galaxy are amazing. Anything but normal and basic. What Isaiah learned growing up is ordinary people are products of their environment and normal is not something to inspire to or aspire to. It's something to get away from. So when creating these films, did you want to create something different or something other than basic or normal? What was your inspiration? What inspired you to create something different? Well, uh, that's a, a very interesting question. And uh, all of the movies that I've uh, and Michael Herb has uh, hers have been involved in, they have one foot in contemporary uh, society. Uh, Samuel Fuller, one of the gods, at least in our little world, uh, he was a newsman, and uh, 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 his I've read at least one of his books, and uh, he, he most of his movies are ripped from the headlines. A shock corridor about the uh, disgraceful uh, mental home, house, uh, hospitals, uh, but yet very entertaining and indeed uh, uh, shocking for its time. Um, uh, but uh, I think we wanted to create a real emotion. Uh, and try to be original and try to have something to say at the same time and be uh, most important, uh, Isaiah, uh, to be entertaining. <laughs> Where would Toxie go as far as his statue? Where would you put it? I, somewhere in New York. Uh, so, well, maybe Booton, New Jersey, which is uh, has had several Toxic Avenger anniversary. Uh, that's where... Um, Toxie uh, jump, uh, jumps out the window, uh, you know, leaps out the window and lands in a barrel of chemical toxic waste. And they are, they are very uh, uh, patriotic about uh, the Toxic Avenger. Booton, New Jersey, which is spelled, it's spelled B-O-O-N. And uh, all of the movies that I've, uh, and Michael Herb has, uh, hers have been. Up by Percipity. What did you learn from your experience on two of the most famous movies of the 70s, Rocky, when you were the pre-production supervisor, and Saturday Night Fever when you were location manager? Well, I worked on uh, for John Avelson on Joe, which is, if you haven't seen it, it's a brilliant film. Uh, it cost 100000 bucks and made in New York, all unknown characters, although it was Peter Boyle's first movie. And uh, uh, Susan, uh, you know who I'm talking about, Susan... Sorry. The one who jumped off the cliff. To Susan, uh, you'll know. The one who was in yeah. uh, the movie that, where the car went over the cliff. At any rate... Uh, Tom and Louise? Yeah, that's it. Yes. Susan Sarandon. Susan Sarandon, and, uh, right. And it's a wonderful film. It got nominated for Academy Award for Best Screenplay. Can you imagine a $100,000 wow. movie by a, a crappy little company getting nominated for an Academy Award today? <laughs> Not a chance, uh, unless it had certain woke attributes. And even then, it wouldn't get nominated. Mm -hmm. But um, uh, anyway, so the day I got on the set of that movie, I saw John Avelson setting up a shot, and I knew, hey, this guy is good. And um, uh, I'd seen a lot of movies. And I could tell the shot was going to be terrific. So I attached myself to him and, uh, you know, became a, uh, you know, booth boy. And um, I did uh, in between when he was looking for his next gig, I did free work for him and uh, work for free, which you young people should learn because it's a way to get on sets 
and uh, you know we're talking about art here we're not talking about hedge funds and um and and uh, he got a gig called uh, cry uncle cry uncle the outrageous adults only comedy from the creator of joe jake masters lover poet athlete and private investigator who came in from New Jersey to make every wrongdoer and fugitive from justice cry uncle. Nice work. Which uh, was a crappy, again, Joe was a garbage script and he made it into, uh, I worked for the little company, so I read the script before Avelson uh, started uh, having his way with it. And he hired his friend Norman Wexler to totally transform the film and made it into Joe. And then he did the same thing. Uh, it was a pulpy, softcore movie. And the, to the credit of the guy who put up the money, who was into that business, Lee Hessel let John Avelson have freedom. And uh, Cry Uncle is, is absolutely hilarious. It's a satire of uh, film noir, you know, cry terror and cry this and cry that. Cry Uncle, you know, Cry Uncle. And uh, uh, Alan Garfield, instead of the good-looking uh, James Bond type person, uh, John cast uh, uh, Alan Garfield, little fat guy, and uh, David uh, David Odell, who wrote Dark Crystal and became a big-time uh, writer, and Ralph Boda, who I think did get an Oscar for. Um, anyway, he shot, he did shoot Saturday Night Fever, but he got an Oscar for Coal Miner's Daughter, I think. Oh. Sissy Spacek in her Oscar-winning role. In a cabin on a hill in Butcher Hollow. We were poor, but we had love. That's the one thing my daddy made sure of. He shoveled coal to make a poor man's Coal die. miner's daughter. Uh, and of course he's dead. But a great guy, also wonderful, wonderful. Uh, any rate, so Avelson was a huge influence on me and it, and it made me understand how locations can be a, a, an actor in a movie and how important yes. they are. Uh, and uh, I got to work on Rocky, of course, where I yeah. was. Uh, where he directed uh, it, yeah. They didn't have enough money to bring the crew and the cast to Philadelphia. So he and Stallone came up the idea with the idea of hiring uh, Troma and the Cryuncle team uh, to set up the Cryuncle crew, non-union, 
to set up uh, as long as we could to shoot in Philadelphia because uh, Stallone and uh, wrote it for Philadelphia and they wanted to shoot in Philadelphia. Uh, they didn't want to try to fake uh, Los Angeles for Philadelphia. And um, we had about eight days of filming there until the union, the Teamsters caught on and then uh, they all ran, uh, ran back to California. But all those, uh, all those iconic shots of the uh, running up the steps and, and I, I, and the first use, second use of the steady cam, and uh, uh, great stuff. And uh, you, uh, I shot behind the scenes, and there's a piece uh, uh, that Avelson and I, uh, he whittled down my home movies to about uh, 15 minutes or 20 minutes, and we wrote a, a voiceover for it, and it's on, uh, it's on uh, the latest box set of Rockies that I think Fox put out. And uh, Avelson and I put those that home movie thing. I can't remember what we called it, but you can see that Rocky those days it was shot like a trauma movie. You know, pizza for every meal and and uh, no no payment for location or very small and hosing down the streets. Uh, the neighbors hosed down the streets in front of their houses so they would glisten at night. It's very educational, uh, but we put it on our own. Uh, YouTube, and of course, immediately got a takedown letter from Fox. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I loved on the locations on Saturday Night Fever, you were going to the nightclubs, and Pat Kaufman got to dance with John Travolta at almost every one of those nightclubs. That's my favorite Saturday Night Fever story. Forget this. Look out, give the kids some right. room. He's taking over again. Yes, we'd go after, Avelson was uh, supposed to direct that. We'd go after midnight to the uh, discos and uh, Pat and John would dance. And I was really jealous because I wanted to dance with John Travolta. You're a legend and yeah. your stories are amazing. And thank you so much for sharing all your knowledge. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Dawn and Kevin, Jen, Isaiah. And, uh, it was lots of fun. No, no joke. I will report back to the the commissioner. You've been listening to episode 11 of Screen Perspectives. Screen Perspectives is hosted by Don Keezer and Kevin Smith. Produced and engineered by Max Glider, Isaiah Stewart, and Jennifer Booker. Music by Isaiah Stewart. Screen Perspectives is a production of the Pittsburgh Film Office.